God has great plans. He's got great plans for the world. He's got great plans for Scotland. He's got great plans for Edinburgh. He's got great plans for King's Church. He's got great plans for you. We may not realize it, but the local church is where God is at work in the world. Through us meeting here, this gathering of believers is God engaging with the darkness outside. Through what happens here on a Sunday, we go out and we go into the world proclaiming the lordship of Jesus, bringing his kingdom to pass, telling people how to be free, telling people how to be full of joy, and we are so privileged to be part of this together. We're looking at a series of what it uh, God, what God wants his church to be like. We started off saying that God wants his church to have everyone involved, all the church involved in doing God's work. Secondly, we looked at a church which is defined by the Bible. And we do that. We rely on God's word to show us how to live. We're to be a church as well. And we looked at a church that loves one another, a community distinctive in the love people show to each other. And then last week, we were looking at a community which is a church which is intentionally diverse, not creating a community for people just the same as us, but for people different to us as well. But this week, we're going to be looking at a church which empowers, a church which empowers. So God has a plan for your life. God has a plan to do good to you, but also he's got a plan to do good through you a plan to do good to you, that you would come to know him as your father, that you would love and enjoy him better because he's the best thing in the world. So as we get to know God better, our happiness increases, our joy increases, our anxiety decreases, our depression decreases as we get to know God the Father. And he also wants to be a God who does good through you. He wants to work through you to bless other people whether that be through proclaiming the gospel or whether it be through building uh, ministries which can serve people, whether it is in business, being someone who faithfully serves God in, in the world, in the business world, and people say, gosh, I, I, there's something different about you. Please tell me what it is. Maybe he wants you to, um, he's calling you maybe to be a fantastic parent, to love your children, to teach them about Christ. What high calling. He might be calling you to be um, someone who just works really hard in your career, who becomes a person of influence in our society. Wow, how much do we need that? How much do we need God's people to be in places of influence in our society so we can see God's kingdom come and people served and people blessed? If you're married, God is calling you to have a flourishing marriage. If you're at school or studying, God's calling you to honor him by working hard, showing people what it means to be a Jesus follower whilst also studying. He wants us to live a life which honors him. And that also involves being set free from things that hold us back, overcoming addictions, controlling our finances, showing love to people that don't love us. As we do these things, as we are obedient to God's call, we are building God's kingdom. Some of you in this room, God's calling you to plant a church. Some of you in this room, God's calling you to start a ministry, to reach people who we are not reaching at the moment. Some of you, he's calling to found and lead a small group. Do you have what it takes? Do you have what it takes to do what God's calling you to do? Desire isn't enough. You can desire all you want to serve God, but that's not enough to actually get, get there. Determination isn't enough either. Dedication isn't enough. We need God's power. We need God's power to flourish in what he's called us to. 
God wants to empower you to do what he's called you to do. God will call you, but he will also give you the resources and the power to achieve it through filling with the Holy Spirit, which is what we're looking at today. This is how God works. Throughout the Bible, he empowers his people to do miraculous works through the Spirit coming on people. In the Old Testament, there's a guy called Gideon who is honestly not someone who you would think is going to be a great leader. He himself felt he was completely irrelevant. He was called to a frightening and mammoth task, and he was utterly terrified. His first job was to tear down a false god's temple, and he said, okay, God, I'll do it, but he was so scared and had so little faith in God that he went and did it at night and then kind of tried to pretend it wasn't him. But then he changed. Suddenly, Gideon went from this guy who's like, really, I can't do this, to a bold man of God calling others to follow his lead. He managed to inspire a tiny, outnumbered army to a stunning victory. And how did he do it? Judges 6.34, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. David, again a nobody who God called to lead his people. His successes were rooted in his encounter with Samuel the prophet, who anointed him with oil. And it says, from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. I don't know if you've ever seen um, pictures of um, Samson. You know Samson and Delilah, this guy, and he's, his hair got longer, and he got stronger and stronger. And if you look, um, a lot of um, the old painting masters have done pictures of him. And when you look, he's super muscly, and he's all like this. But actually, the point of the story is, no, he wasn't like that at all. He was a weedy guy. He was the guy who was not at the gym, He is not that kind of person, but actually when the Spirit of God came on him, he had superhuman strength to achieve what God had called him to achieve. And in the Old Testament, it's very episodic. God calls one person at one particular time, gives them the Spirit, and actually it doesn't doesn't always stay, and then it kind of comes and goes. But then there's a prophecy in the Old Testament. God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The spirit before had just been for certain people at certain times, but a time was coming when all of God's people could be empowered by the spirit. And in the New Testament, we see this with the initial proclamation. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter one. John, he he says, actually, sorry, Matthew chapter three. Sorry, let's go go back. So So John was in the desert. He was saying, you guys need to turn away from what you're doing. This is speaking to God's people and they turned away from God completely. He says, no, you need to turn back. And so people came out and they were baptized in water as we're um, talking about. And this baptism wasn't quite the same as the baptism that we have in the church because this was one repenting and saying, I'm waiting for God to come. But John himself says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is the very start of the New Testament. The expectation is there. God's put it there. This is what's going to happen. God's people are going to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus comes and talks of a future life in the Spirit for his followers. We look at John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so you often hear people talking about that and you think, oh, this is him talking about you know, feeling good inside or, or, or what. But actually, 
we're told this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Jesus' expectation is that we as his followers are filled with the Spirit and then the Spirit flows out from us in um, work and blessing towards other people. After his death and resurrection, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. This is the last time that Jesus is physically on earth in the Bible and he's got his last words he's going to say to his followers. What's he going to focus on? He's looking at these, these people, these men and women who are there, and he knows that in 300 years, it's going to go from this band, tiny band of people, to the whole Roman Empire, a Christian empire. How is that going to happen? Through terrible persecution, through terrible suffering, but through people who love God and are filled with the Spirit and can achieve things which are unimaginable. So he says this in Acts 1. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So let's just, just, just remember that. This is literally the last thing that Jesus, in his physical on earth presence, is saying to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. They had an unimaginably large task to reach the whole world, fill it with the message that Jesus is God, and people need to trust him to be saved. And this was a tiny group of uneducated, lower class men and women. And yet Jesus knows that people who the world would look at and say, no hope, when they've got the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. Wait for the Spirit, he says. A few days later, it happens. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So finally, this is, this is it. This is where it happens. Everyone in the room is filled with the Spirit. It's evidenced by miracles so they spoke in a language that foreign people could understand. Now, this is slightly different to the gift of tongues as is described in 1 Corinthians 12 because this was a human language which people could understand if they spoke that language. But it was still the Holy Spirit evidencing that he was there by a miracle happening. But the greater miracle is the transformation that took place in these men and women. Peter, just a few weeks before this, had swore and denied Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then the cock crowed. Suddenly, he is bold, he stands up, and he proclaims the gospel in front of thousands. He assumes leadership. Interestingly, we're told again a couple of chapters later that he's filled again. It wasn't just once that Peter was filled. He kept on being filled. And time and time again, we see people transformed by a filling with the Spirit. They're willing to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. And through these spirit-filled believers, the faith spread rapidly. 
for the early church, the expectation was that believers would initially and then repeatedly be filled with the Spirit throughout their lives and would walk with Jesus through a knowledge of the Spirit. And we want to be a church that's like that early church. We want to be a church that's obedient to the Word. We want to be a church that sees the fruit that those guys saw. We're living in a society that doesn't know Jesus. We're living in a, in a world which is hurting. It needs Jesus so much. And God is saying, this is what I'm asking you to do. Be filled with the Spirit and then go. I will send you. My story. Um, so I became a Christian as a boy. Um, can't quite remember when I was saved, but I would have been five or six, very young. My mum took me to church. And it was actually through the kids' work at a local evangelical church that I, I got saved. I recommitted my life to God at about 16, having went, went away from him for a couple of years, and got quite involved in the church there. Now, these people are down in Peebles, Peebles Evangelical Church. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and they taught me to love the Bible. They really taught me to love the Bible. They taught me how precious and reliable and sufficient it is to teach us what we need to know about God. And I was following God, and I think I was doing all right, but I felt so aware of my weaknesses. I had a weakness to fight sin and live a holy life, and I could read bits of the Bible, which just, oh, suddenly just feel such guilt knowing that I was saying this one thing and living in a different way. I also had real weakness in being able to tell people that I was a Christian. At school, I didn't tell anyone that I was a Christian. And also had a weakness to share my faith. I wouldn't, well, if people didn't even know I was a Christian, I was hardly going to share my faith. But I was, I was just really timid about it. But I knew there was more. I longed for a deeper walk with God. I longed to know him better and to experience more of his love as well. So... Moved forward a few years, I started uni, met loads of people, but I was especially impacted by some Christians on my course. Um, Annalie, some of you might know her, I'm now in the West Lothian church plant, another girl called Lo. Um, there was just something so different about them. They had such passion for God. Whenever I met them, almost the first thing they told me was that they were a Christian, and I was, I was so shocked that they could be so open and so bold um, and so authentic as well. Isn't it nice when you see just authenticity? Like, yeah, this is who I am. They were, they were able to tell people about Jesus as well. Time and time again, I saw them talking to people, people coming to faith, through their, through their, just through their life, really, and them being open. I really wanted what they had. So I spoke to them, and then they said it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I had a lot of objections, a lot of objections. Um, I absolutely believed that anyone speaking in tongues was probably mad and probably under the influence of something other than God. I, I just had no concept of that being something good. And I also, I think because I grew up in a church where that just wasn't the lived experience, I just didn't expect it. And so when people started talking about it, I was like, well, why do you need that? But as they started to show me in the Bible, and I was convinced biblically, this is, this is right. This is what we should be seeking after. And so I was convinced it was true, and I started to seek after a filling of the Holy Spirit for myself. So I prayed on my own. I was like, God, please fill me. Nothing happened. And try again, 
Still, nothing happened. And this went on for quite a while. A few months actually went by, and I was becoming increasingly frustrated with God. Why would he not give me this blessing? Why would he not give me the Holy Spirit, which I was asking for? But I kept asking. I feel God actually put that hunger in me and gave me the ability to persevere with it. So I was in a group praying with a couple of guys I was on the course with. Um, Now, honestly, these were not the best Christians in the world. One guy is no longer walking with God. The other guy went away from God. And then I think he's back now. But these were not the kind of people who you're thinking, oh, wow, these are you know, the best Christians in the world by any means. But we, we met together, we chatted, we prayed. And, and the other hand, one of them had been filled with the Spirit in the past, but he'd, he'd kind of grown cold. And he, he, as I say, eventually had a long spell away from church, but is back in now. But I felt God during it say, ask these guys to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. I was like, oh, <laughs> I really don't want to do this. So I went, I went to the loo, actually, and I was like, God, please, I really don't want these guys to pray for me to be filled with the Spirit. But God was like, no, you need, you need to do it. So I went in, and I said, guys, would you, would you mind praying for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And they were like, yeah, cool, why not? So that so was fine. So I stood there, and then they prayed, and then... This time I felt something was different. Straight away my heart started pounding and I felt this, it's hard to describe, heat, joy, something, something, something happening inside. And I think the first thing I really felt was acceptance from God. Finally, I knew that I was his son. And that was so profound for me to know that, that he loved me and that I could be completing myself before him. And as that went on, I, I just started to feel really joyful, but crying at the same time. And then, and then I just suddenly felt I, I could speak in a different language, and I, I spoke and I spoke in tongues. Um, so just to quickly... Um, actually, no, I'll come back to it. I will explain what tongues are later on. But um, I spoke in a different language. Um, No, let's talk about it now. So the the New Testament does talk a lot about the different gifts of the Spirit. So when different people are filled with the Spirit, you can expect something to happen. Now, for some people, in fact, a lot of people in my experience, this involves a gift called speaking in tongues. Now, this is a, a gift which... It seems quite strange to people who aren't in the church. It, it does. So when it, you, you start speaking, and you're speaking in a language which you don't understand. So it's completely under your control. So I could do it just now. Um, but we're told not to do it in a public church setting unless it's going to be interpreted. So there's two gifts actually at work. There's one person speaking a language they don't understand, and then another person gets the interpretation of that. Now, I actually shared a tongue here a few weeks ago. You might have been there, and then Jenny came up and gave the interpretation of it. So that was both of us, um, the Holy Spirit working through both of us. But there are loads of gifts it talks about in the, in the New Testament. Um, words of wisdom or words of knowledge. So you might, um, when you're filled with the Spirit, be able to to hear from God and give direction to people. Now, I've, I've, I've had this a number of times as well. You're praying and then you get um, some kind of impression or a phrase or something which is helpful for the person. Um, it's always going to be encouraging. So it's never going to be, you suck and God doesn't like you. No, nothing like that. It's always going to be encouraging. So 
so you, you start and you, and you say, now, I, I, I was taking real baby steps at the time. One time I had a picture of, I think it was something to do with a caterpillar or something like that, and I, and I gave it, and I, this is so rubbish, but the lady I gave it to was crying, and she was like, you know, someone gave me the first part of that years ago, and now God's given me the second part of this. And it was just me taking little steps of faith and God doing amazing things. Um, the Bible also talks about the gift of faith. So some people just have amazing faith. God's going to do this, guys. We can go. Come with me. This, this gift of faith, which the Spirit gives. Healing, tongues, prophecies. We need a separate priest to discuss them in full, but there's lots of things the Spirit will do. So back to me, when I was um, filled with the Spirit, I, I saw this fruit, I, and particularly I saw boldness to tell people about Jesus. God used my story to help bring bring one guy in particular, Luke, who then married Annalie, so um, actually that worked out well for her. Um, so <laughs> through, through the Spirit working in me, he, he came to faith and is now also in the West Lothian church plant. Also, there was power to overcome sins in my life. Like, I'm, obviously I'm still not perfect, but there was a real increase in God at work in that, in that way. But also a deeper desire to know God, be close to him, to study my Bible. And it didn't feel like a burden anymore to pray and read my Bible, but flip, this is a real joy. But it did start to wear off, no doubt about it. So as time went on, the intensity of my feelings subsided. I started to feel less passionate, saw God working less in my life. But we shouldn't be surprised by this, though. It talks in the Bible this is going to happen. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So Paul here, surprisingly, gives um, an interesting um, compare and contrast with getting filled with the Spirit with getting drunk. So I did think maybe I could sit and drink a glass of wine here, which would have been relaxing, but um, I, I'm sure you can understand that if I wanted to get drunk on wine, I would just drink enough wine to get me drunk. I'd be drunk for a while, but a day or two later, I'd be sober. It's the same with the filling of the Spirit. We can get filled with the Spirit... God works in us, we know him there, but then it, it starts to wear off. We need this repeated filling. You can be filled once, but like wine, it starts to wear off. And the Greek in this hints that this filling is a, is a, is a continual thing. It's something we continually seek after again and again and again. And how do we do it? The rest of the verse in um, 5, verse 18 to 19. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So part of it is through the ministry of other people using their gifts. There's something, God just loves community and people working together. He loves filling people with the Spirit when other people pray for them. And like the guys who prayed for me, you don't have to be the best Christian in the world. It's, it's just about faith and can you pray for someone to do it. So people praying for us, people prophesying for us um, or to us, using their gifts to service, and us doing that to serve others as well. So as we pray for other people to be filled with the Spirit, we might well be filled with the Spirit as well because we're um, serving God and, and, and serving other people. But we also do it through ourselves, singing to God, but mainly through wanting it. You've got to ask to be filled. You've got to keep on asking and keep on wanting him to fill us. So I'd also quickly, um, God was speaking to me over the weekend, and so it's not on my slide, but 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So this is Paul, the apostle, super, super guy, 
This is the last letter he writes. He's very close to death, and he's writing to Timothy. Now, Timothy is the guy he's been training up, and he's really saying, Timothy, I'm, I'm passing over to you. You are going to be taking on the mantle of my leadership. Now, you can read, it, the Bible doesn't tell us tons about Timothy, but you can infer quite a lot about him. This guy was super timid. He had no confidence whatsoever. He has to be encouraged a lot. Paul's always encouraging him, like way more than most people get encouraged. He's like, oh, you can do it, you can do it. Um, he actually says in, in the next verse that God has not given you a spirit of fear, um, but of power, love, and self-control. I think of the power, love, and self-discipline. Um, now, it doesn't make us timid. That word in Greek is the same word that they used for soldiers who ran away in battle. So someone, a deserter. So someone who was in battle and they got intense and they run away. That's the same word. The spirit God gives us does not make us like that. That was obviously a temptation for Timothy to run away, to give up. Are you tempted to give up? Has God called you to things? Are you in the middle of something? And you're saying, you know what, I can't do this. I've been there. And Timothy's been given a big job. He has to confront error in the church. He's going to have to have face-to-face confrontation with some really influential people. It's going to be hard. Timothy also frequently got sick. He was just really physically weak. He had a bad stomach. And so he's a believer. He's a leader. He's someone who you know, lots of churches would have looked up to this guy. And yet he's got all these weaknesses. What's Paul's advice to him? What's Paul's advice to him to overcome these weaknesses? Does he tell him to pray more? Nope. Does he tell him to read more Bible? Nope. Does he tell him to talk about it to people and see what they say? Nope. They're all good. But he's told to fan and to flame the gift of God. I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you guys this morning, but if you've been filled with the Spirit before, you need to fan that gift into flame. The gift that God's given you needs to be... Needs to be <sighs> And into flame. You need to give it life. You need to pray for it. And you need to ask God to fill you with the Spirit again. So maybe you've been filled years ago. Maybe you were filled this morning. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need God to work in us more and more. Can the band come back up? Is that right? Um, so this is a huge subject. There's loads more we could talk about. But in summary, God has a plan for your life. <laughs> and he's calling each of you to serve him. Whatever he calls you to do, he will give you the power to achieve it. God wants you to be filled with the Spirit this morning. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the thousandth time. But God is here. His Spirit is with us and he longs for you this morning. So how do you get filled with the Spirit? Number one, accept Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you just need to accept Jesus. You can pray it right now. Jesus, please come into my heart. Please save me. Sorry for all my sins. Give me new life. Amen. Simple. If you pray that with faith, you're saved. Accept Jesus. Two, you need to ask to be filled with the Spirit. Just now in your heart, God, please fill me. Please fill me, God. You need to want it. The Spirit will never force himself on you. He's waiting to be invited. Do you want him to fill you this morning? Be honest. If it's no, that's fine. Just ask God to lead you into truth. It's a good thing to pray. Um, But if it's yes, then ask. And third, be prayed for. Time and time again, the Spirit fills people when others pray for them. So it's not about the people praying, it's about your faith in Jesus to give you his Spirit.